It's not Turkey Day, it's Jesus Day. Just for the record. Welcome if you're joining us online because you're not here. We still love you. Do we love them, Venue Church? We love you a bit. Hey, um, I'm going to dive right into a sermon I've called Practical Parenting today. You're like, what does that have to do with Thanksgiving? I am thankful for parents. God bless you, parents. If you don't, if you're not a parent with kids in your house right now, you need to be helping parents. The struggle is real, everybody. You need to be helping somebody. If you're a grandparent, you need to be helping those grandkids and not spoiling them rotten. You need to be blessing the parents. You need to be praying for parents. If you have nieces and nephews, if you are in the church, because all the children of the church belong to the church. And we have many cousins. My children have many cousins here in the church. We need to be praying for parents and blessing children. Yeah. You having a good morning with your kids on the way to church where we hear about how to practically raise our kids. Today's sermon is called uh, What Dustin and Janine Got Wrong with Their Parenting. Up, guys. We're going to explore everything that they've gotten wrong so far in their lives, in their parenting, so that you feel good about yourself. So just relax. This is all about them. Actually, this is all going to be about Jacob and his family. His sons were the 12 tribes of Israel, and his grandfather was Abraham, and Jacob was a terrible father. So we're going to be discovering through the scriptures how not to be terrible parents, if we can help it. But we're also going to discover what matters to God about parenting. Now, listen, God loves family, and the devil hates it, and you need to fight for it. And uh, everything that God does is to set the solitary in families. There are people in, in your neighborhoods that don't have, I mean, they have kind of family, but they don't have God's family. And God's like, I want them here. I want them to have family the way that we, you might feel like, hey, I don't have a family. I'm in between families right now. I don't know your story. And it's painful. Everything about parenting is, you know, parenting, I, I describe parenting like this. What's it like having four kids? Well, I'm like, imagine having three kids and somebody hands you a baby and you're already drowning. You know, like, here you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like one horrible adventure after another. And we need the grace of God, and we need to support each other. But we also have to come at it from biblical parenting, and so that we're all headed in the same direction. And I think that, that um, there's a scripture that says this, Proverbs 22, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That doesn't apply to my daughters because they're not he's. No, it does, of course. Um. Train up children in the way they should go when they are old, they will not depart from it. But we get that wrong sometimes. Sometimes we train them up in the way that we think they should go. That's not quite the same way as the way they should go. So what you have to do is like understand you didn't create your children. God did. You donated towards that. But God created and only the God who creates can tell that child what they're supposed to be like and how they're supposed to emotionally be one day and their destiny and if you get on track with what God wants for your children and what in supporting those people who have children and who are going to have children one day, sometimes I think the best way to learn about parenting is before you have kids. And so we're going to talk about it today. and It's going to be powerful. Um, I remember when, when we took Arwen home from the hospital. I feel like Arwen is probably in here somewhere. When we took her home from the hospital, the only thing that they asked us was, do you know how to use a child seat? Well, yeah, but I don't know how to do anything else. They didn't ask about that. It's probably better that they didn't ask about that. Um, sometimes I think that, that the weight of parenting, is, it's, it, it's a difficult thing, you know. When I got married to Erin, I got married to an adult, right? So she can kind of like 
do stuff, right? But a child, uh, you bring that child home and you're just like, I don't know, you know. And I remember driving home one day and I'm like, God, I will work three jobs to support this child. This is a blank slate. I don't want to mess up this child. You know, the weight of responsibility that we feel as parents is very, very difficult. You need to help parents with that weight of that responsibility. But I remember just that sense of, you know, and then, and then I went back to work the Monday after we had Arwen. I, this is a little different generation. I, I, uh, I took, I think one and a half days off for all four of my kids, different generation millennials. I'm just telling you, I got back to work and, and my boss is like, how's mom? Good. How's baby? Good. He's like, well, little girl's clothes aren't cheap. So let's go. <laughs> Welcome back to work. Um, I think we need humor today in the sermon to help us navigate because everybody's like, I'm a terrible parent. I feel like I'm a terrible parent. Please don't tell me I'm a terrible parent. We're going to find out about real terrible parents today and God's going to be like, hey, you're doing okay. We're just going to build some skill into your life. So listen, if you wanted to be a surgeon, you would take years of training. There's no training for parents. Think about it. Did anybody take years of training how to be a parent? You might've had good parents. That's like an apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is the only way to learn how to parent. And so if your parents weren't good, doing the opposite of what they did is not going to make you a good parent. It'll just make you a bad parent and do bad things in just the opposite of what your parents did. Getting surgery right is different. We have to do surgery on our children in ways that are skillful and ways that are right. Sometimes your children are like, mom, you're doing surgery on me, but I don't think you know what you're doing. And shouldn't I have that thing over my face so that I don't have to be awake for all of this? You know? And so we have to understand, like, it's a skill. You build skill. You can actually work on that. You can actually get the skill as a parent. Thank you. Uh, Sean, I had a, uh, I worked with a guy named Hans um, in the electrical trade one time, and Hans was a riot. He was like Danish red hair, hot-tempered, hilarious. He's such a good guy. Yeah, you knew him, didn't you? Oh, he was so funny. He, um, he would just say whatever came through his mind. You know, he, he was raising foster kids at the time. His kids had grown up, and then they took some foster kids, a brother and sister, into the home. And he's like, oh, we took a parenting course? Oh, my goodness. I wish we would have known some of this stuff when we had our actual kids before we messed them up. He's like... Like consistency, you have to be so consistent. And then because he was hands, he starts like kind of smiling to himself and he goes, like, if you threaten, I'm going to break your legs. If you touch your brother again, you got to break their legs. <laughs> Everybody, you know, erupts into laughter. He's just joking around. Of course, if, if you don't have kids, you'll think that that's off limits, but everybody had a two-year-old Hitler in a grocery store. Yeah, I was that two-year-old Hitler in a grocery store with my poor mom. I'm telling you what. It's just that funny. You need, you need humor as a parent. You need humor to get over your mistakes and to actually reveal them and to get on and start building some. Uh, Hans was hilarious. I loved Hans. He, he would be like, one day I come into the shop and he's bragging about how amazing at hockey he is. And he's like, he's doing all this as a big joke, of course. He's like, my 12-year-old foster son, he's like, he goes, that whole team is afraid of me. He's like, when I'm playing scrimmage, he goes, I can score whenever I want. He's like, that goalie, that little 12-year-old boy, he is scared of how hard I can shoot the puck. He's like, I can skate through. I can, they can't do it. They just bounce off of me. I can do whatever I want. Everybody's laughing, of course, because a lot of the guys had their kids in hockey. And they were just like, you're such an idiot. And he's just loving this whole thing, of course. You know, the funny thing is, though, they had a brother and sister. And, and the, the, the sister of the two was a fetal alcohol baby. And they eventually had to ask her to leave the home because... Uh, they, she was just into some really nasty stuff, and they tried everything that they could try to fix this child, but then she was starting to negatively affect the brother and to protect the brother. And he's telling me this on the way to work one day, and he's weeping, and he's crying, and he's like, and I didn't, and we failed, and I, you know, the weight on parents is heavy, and I get it. 
We're going to show you how the Lord, when you partner with the Lord in your parenting, then the result of what that child becomes is up to the Lord. And so what we're going to learn today is some, some principles about parenting. Don't get distracted with the wrong things. Let's learn about principles of parenting. The first principle we're going to learn about today before I jump into the story of Jacob and his messed up family, so you feel good, is we're going to learn about honor. Paul says this to the Ephesians, children, obey your parents because you belong to them. No, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And it says this is the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing not to obey your parents. And it says this, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. I'm going to show you that every promise that God makes you about parenting is for your future and for your good and the harvest is good. So sometimes we feel like, God, you want me to sow this seed, but I don't know. God's like, it's for your own good, yeah. you know? And so you have to biblically parent your children. It says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. What if my mom's an idiot? If you honor her, things will go well with you. Now, respect is a different thing. It is. You have to earn that the last time I checked. You have to earn that with good decision-making, with character, with all of those things. But honor is a different thing. Honor is, I respect the position that God gave you. And when you respect the position that God gives somebody in your life, even your boss at work, who may not be a great person, when you respect, and when you, I should say honor, that's a different word. When you honor that position, God can bless them and your life will, will you know, and if you honor your parents, some of you need to apologize to your parents because you never honored your parents, you know. You can honor your parents with, and do things differently than they did eventually, but you still need to honor them. This is why honor is so important for my daughters. I have two of my, two of my little gals are sitting here today. How did you get into this service? I feel like you should. Anyways, my two little gals are here right now. So if I get anything wrong parenting, you just ask them. They know all the dirt. It's important for me to teach them honor because this is the only reason that honor matters. Or the main reason why. Teach your children to honor mom and dad. Why? Because you reap what you sow. I want them to marry men who honor them. I want them to reap, but they can't reap unless I teach them how to honor. Sometimes moms are like, my kids aren't honoring me. And I would say, are you honoring your husband? Yeah. Can, can I just be honest? Can I be real? If you have a husband, can you honor your husband? Sometimes men are like, my, my wife, my children, they don't honor me. I'd say like, do you honor your small group leader? Do you honor your pastor? Do you honor your band of brothers? Do you honor your team leads? Do you honor? Do you honor your boss at work? The best way to teach children how to honor is not scream, honor me. We tried it. <laughs> now, the best way to do it is to tell them how you honor and tell them how it blesses you. So when I talk to my children about my pastors, Pastor Peter and my friend, Pastor Nate, I'm just like, when I talk about Pastor Peter, I'm like, oh, guys, Pastor Peter is so much smarter than I am. Is he? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to, he actually is. What I'm saying is like, I honor him. He is God's gift to me. When I honor him, man, he teaches me stuff and God teaches me stuff and my life gets better. And do you know how they translate that? If I honor my father, my life gets better. Yeah, that's right. That's how you do it. Just tell them a story about who you honor. It's powerful. I want them to reap what they sow. I want them to reap honor in their lives. I, and you teach honor in a family. Like, no, we honor each other around here. Honor is a thing in venue church. Like we honor you enough not to gossip about you. We honor you enough to call you out when you do take your problems up. Or if you don't, it's called gossip. And we'd rather not do that because we don't think it's honoring to people. We'll just have that hard conversation. And in Canada, I got to teach you how to do it. Cause you don't know how. All right. Number two, the second thing we teach our children is the truth is the truth. Teach them to tell the truth. There's only two rules in our home. Honor your mother or move to Mexico. I'm not kidding. 
Honor your mother and tell the truth every single time. Uh, the the hard, hardest consequences that we have in our home are when you tell a lie. If you tell a lie, it is the end of the world. We're going to dig down. The truth needs to come out. The truth needs to win out. Sin is not the problem in your home. Sin builds walls. That's not the problem. It's when you hide the walls that you're building. That's the problem. So when your children, you know, when your children are lying to you, they think that they're smarter than you because you believe them and you don't call them. In kindness, you can call them, but like, baby, that's not the truth, is it? You got to call it out and get down to the truth. The truth has to come out. The truth has to win out every time. And if you are somebody who has problems and issues with lying, deal with it because you're going to pass it on to your kids. You're going to teach them that you think you're smarter than everybody and you're allowed to filter the information in a way to get what you want. That is not what you teach children. You do not get to filter information to mom. They get to like the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help them God or go to Mexico. It's just like, if you want to eat and live indoors, you tell the truth in this home. That's what we value. That is the currency of our home. That is the value. We share it. Lying breaks relationships. If you lie to your mom, you don't want her to be mom. You want to be mom. You think that you're that smart. You are not. She is mom. Tell your mom the truth. Let her decide about you. Is that good? Honor, teach them to honor and teach them the truth. Genesis chapter 37, it says, so Jacob didn't teach his kids either of these things. He settled in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Now, it's okay to get siblings to spy on siblings. You can use Facebook too, that's okay. Um, we start seeing that, that Joseph... Uh, first of all, Joseph has multiple wives. Now, how many guys would like, mul don't do it. That was a trap. That was a trap. Don't do it. Well, Who did I say? Jacob. Yeah, Jacob did not have multiple. Joseph. Okay. J Jacob had multiple wives. Okay, so this, this um, now you read the Bible and you're like, oh, this must have, God must have been cool with this. Okay, God was not cool with that. Society was cool with that. That was a sign of wealth in society. And whenever a, a, a family had multiple wives. You look at like Solomon and David. Whenever they had multiple wives, th things did not go well with them and they did not live long on the earth, okay? Because what that did was it fractured, it fractured things. And so society was okay with that, but whatever society is okay with is not necessarily good for you. Right. God created Adam and God created Eve and not Adam and Eve and Janet. <laughs> oh. How does marriage work? Marriage is very complicated. Not really, no. <laughs> not really. So God created Adam and Eve. God did not create a bunch of these other things. So the, the, what this actually was like was a bunch of divorced families. Like imagine a man getting like married, divorced three or four times, and then everybody living together. Oh, the tension and the manipulation. This is awful. And they, they, like, this is in a very tight society. They're all living in the tents together. And sometimes my mom gets to sleep with dad, and sometimes, okay, it's weird. Sorry, kids. Somebody cover their ears. All right. Um, it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Oh, Jacob. Now, whenever I'm with a child, I always tell them that they're my favorite. But it's a joke. What I don't do is, like, get them in front of the other children and be like, you know, like my mom used to do with my brother. Oh, Ryan, your name means little king. We love you so much. Corey, your name means, like, hermit. When you go, like, live in a cave, Corey. Look at your brother. He's so amazing. <laughs> No, they didn't do that. They were thinking it, but they didn't do it. But here's the thing. You can't treat your kids with favoritism. Just because you're in a position of power, don't create stumbling blocks for them. It says he actually loved him more. 
Well, you'll find out why, because his brothers were idiots. <laughs> but it's like Joseph is in the fields working with these older brothers, and they were like much older. So he's 17. They're all adults. Um, they said that they hated Joseph because their father loved him more than them, and they couldn't say a kind word to him. What a terrible father, you know? One night, Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers about it. They hated him more than ever. He says, listen to this dream. He tells them about it. Dreams were the conduit of the spirit in the day. So if God was going to speak to you, it was often through dreams. And so he tells them this dream that like means that he's going to have ascendancy over him. In verse 8, his brothers respond, and so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams. Why? Because God actually wanted something in that way. So they knew that there was something legit about that. They hated that part, but they also hated the way it says Joseph spoke about them. So the way that Joseph spoke about those dreams, and here's Joseph, we realize that God often gives your child a dream before they have the character to fulfill the dream. So don't speak that dream too soon. Don't speak it to people that hate you. I'm just, this is good for everybody. You need to build the character to handle the dream. God will give you the dream first, but that doesn't mean you have the character to actually fulfill that dream. That's, a, that's all conditional on what you want to do. Joseph has another dream, but soon after this, Joseph's brother went to, to pastor their father's flock in Shechem. Jo Jacob sends Joseph there and says, bring me back a report. When he arrived there, a man from the area, in verse 15, noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. Well, do you have any elder brothers or sisters in the, in the home? That's me, right? I always know what field I'm in. The little brother and sister, you know, it's time to mow the grass. It's time to do dishes. Where are they? They're in the bathroom, man. They just go hide in the bathroom. They're finding themselves someplace. They got out of doing chores again, and you lost track of them. I feel like there's a lot of younger brothers and sisters here that are not receiving that word from the Lord. I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they're pasturing their sheep? He says, uh, the man says, go to Dothan. So Joseph goes there. When his brothers saw him coming, you ready? This is going to make you feel so good about your family, but this is awful, man. They recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Now, 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 as his parents, listen, first of all, they, Jacob make jo, makes Joseph a coat of many colors that would have cost so much money and resource in that day. Like, you don't understand because you can go to winners. They didn't have any of that. So, like, getting the different material to do this in the time, like, he bought his kid a Corvette. Like, that's what it would, everybody else got a bike, and he got a Corvette. And so Joseph, because they haven't taught him wisdom yet, and because they really, they really put stumbling blocks in his path, Joseph shows up to the fields in a Corvette. Just ride your dang bike next time. You know what I mean? Like, why are you wearing that thing? They can see him from a distance. It brings out all this anger in him. But are his parents? Listen, you're, there's not a parent that I know that's that clueless about their kids. Like, yeah, your kids say they hate each other sometimes, and then it's the end of the world, and you got to discipline them. But they don't actually, they're not actually planning on killing each other. <laughs> and then I'm, right? This is going down in this home. These are adults. Do you think they haven't threatened this already? Yeah. This is not just, oh, like one day they wake up and they're like, hey, we should totally murder Joseph. This is a thing that's been going on for years. Yeah. And they sent their son Joseph into the mouth of the wolf. Right there. They, why? You need great courage as a parent. You need great courage to call stuff out in your family and to dig deep and find it. And then you need courage from your church family to come and help you with that child. Yeah. And your children need to know when they're little, like, hi, sweetheart, you will be a topic of conversation in my small group. <laughs> you are a child. You are not the, the Godhead three in one. You are not. We will worship your name in small group. And we will hear all, learn all about you. No, I mean, it's this thing. 
But they didn't do it. Why? Image. Image. Because if you bring up your mistakes in your home, everybody's going to think you're a bad parent. You know, I'd rather have good, I'd rather have good kids and you think I'm a terrible parent. One day, I'd rather have good kids if you think I'm a terrible parent. I don't care what you think about my parenting. I care about what God thinks about my parenting. And I, we got to get it right sometimes. Okay, that's just for free. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into a, this well. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Hmm. That's normal. When Reuben heard of their scheme, the oldest, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. All right, so let's not stab him, John Wick. You know, let's just starve him because that's way better. <laughs> he was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. When Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. That's what they'll do if you show favoritism. You know, here's what I know in my home. If one child asks for a cookie, I'd better have four. The other ones find out they have powers. <laughs> what's, that? what's that on your... Is that cookie? Oh my God, why don't... It's a thing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. That's very painful. Timmy got dropped down the well. Watch this. Um, then as they were sitting down to eat... <laughs> if I was finding a murder, that would take a lot of my time and energy, you know, but guys are so guys and stupid. I'm, I'm hungry. That took a lot of work, man. He was squirming a lot. This is going down, like in real time, or you read this, because you, and you know the end of the story, and you're like, man, you got to feel some of these things. And be like, there was a spirit of murder there, and these guys are this callous that they're just like, Levi, that smoked meat is amazing. And Levi's like, I can't hear you. Joseph, shut up! <laughs> shut up down there! Levi, help me! I wanted some smoked meat. I'm super hungry, and I don't want to die. This is going down right now. They looked up, saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking some trade goods down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelites. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. <laughs> and his brothers agreed. This made sense. This is why you've got to stop ungodliness before it just grows out of control in your home. Somebody got to stand up to it. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. Not quite as much as Jesus got. That was kind of typical in their day for a young slave. And the traders took him to Egypt. Now, you know the rest of the story. But they don't. If you don't know the rest of the story, read your Bible. Because, like, it ends on a high note. But this is not it. Now, this is what I want to say to you. Some, some of you... Look at it from Joseph's point of view. Some of you grew up in families that you didn't ask for. And God can still turn everything around. Because what happens to, with Joseph is his road goes dark for a long time. And he learns down in the prison how to be next to the throne. And one day, Joseph is the instrument that saves all of Egypt where he went in his captivity. Yeah. And he actually saves Canaan where he came from. And he actually saves these brothers. And he actually saves his father who deserved none of it. And here's what I want to say. There's injustice in the world. And Christ, Jesus will have you hang on a cross at times to bring justice to those who don't deserve it. Yeah. Is it worth fighting for? Yeah. Not for you to get justice, for them to get salvation. Is it worth fighting for? Come on, there's something more at play here. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, the one who's like, hey, let's sell him. Judah had, had his family line, had this king you might have heard of, David. And this other king you might have heard of, Jesus. 
God can change anything. God can change family lines. God can change family trees. God can do anything that he wants to. But we want to be parents that God uses because of, not in spite of, us being terrible parents. So let's go to work. Let's do the work on our kids here. You know, I've given you honor and I've given you truth. Next, we're going to talk about discipline. It's going to get very practical here. So some of this is going online. Don't hang me with this. I've been the product of good discipline. And if you disagree with disciplining your children, the Bible says you hate your children. I don't hate my children. You have to learn how to discipline properly, though. Just because you experience bad discipline doesn't mean there's not good discipline. And not disciplining your children is saying, I don't love you enough to get behind what God says to do and to train you in the way that you should go. So the first years are nurturing years. Then it goes into the discipline years. Those are the mom says no years. And moms, if you're in that, like, God bless you, but man, you just say no 50 times a day. Like, no, no, no. Mom says no. Our kids say this to Katie because she twists her hair around her finger. And mom's like, no. One day, mom's just like, no. And all the kids are like, mom says no. Mom says no. So whenever we see Katie, it's like, mom says no. Mom says no. Quit twisting your hair around like that. Um, there's the nurturing years. You know, the nurturing years, my wife is a great nurturer, but you, then there's nurture and discipline, and then there's coaching. There's all of these things in all of these years, but the first years are really nurturing years. Now, now careful in the discipline years that you're not still trying to do everything by nurture because the child needs discipline. Now, if you try to discipline in the coaching years, that's very different as well. It doesn't work as well then. You've got to discipline in the young years if you can get your children young and discipline them in the way they should go, and then in the coaching years. And so there's nurture and discipline and coaching in all of these years, but these are the focuses, nurture, discipline, coaching. Okay, let's talk about the discipline years. In the discipline years, this is how the Bible would say you ought to, to, to train your children. Train them like this. Train them like this. Attitudes over actions. Kids are kids. Two-year-olds do stupid stuff, okay? Twelve-year-olds do stupid stuff. Boys just do stupid stuff all the time. <laughs> Attitudes over actions. There are consequences for poor attitudes. Poor attitudes are no excuse for sin. But I shot, uh, I was shooting a, a, a pop can in my backyard and my BB gun hit the pop can and went across the street and into my neighbor's window. And my dad's like, come on, boy. You know, I didn't know that I'd done that. My neighbor had to come and talk to my dad. My dad's like, come on, boy, let's go. And I'm like, dad, he's lying, man. I was shooting the can over here. Like he's telling a lie. And dad's like, I saw the BB. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> you know, I didn't get disciplined for it though. Because... Kids are kids. I wasn't doing it intentionally. Now, if I would have gone and done it again the next day, I could move to Mexico. That would be a good choice. But I had, I had no intent to do that. That was just an accident. You know, your kid just runs into his sister on a bike. It's just, it's an accident. Don't punish accidents like attitudes. Deal with attitudes. And I see parents not dealing with children's attitudes. If they're sad, they don't get to do what's wrong. If they're angry, but tell them why. Oh, why did you do that? Why did you punch your sister? Why? Well, she didn't know. No, no, you did. That's why we're talking here. We're not, to, I'll talk to her about her, but I'll talk to you about you. This yeah. has nothing to do with, you did something. Why did you do that? Well, she, nope. Why did you do that? Well, I guess I was mad. And why were you mad? You remember that time that mom told you to have a nap, but you didn't have a nap and you got tired and then you got mad? Yeah. Or your boy's just hungry? If you figure out hunger with boys, guys, like you really, you just half raised your child. Because yeah. we're mostly just hungry. Right? And if you just make sure that we're fed, we won't be angry as much and they won't be punching everything. It's just a thing, right? Why did you do that? Teach them why, why, why? Why did you do that? Well, I felt this. Deal with how they felt. Deal with how they felt. Deal with how they felt. Deal with how they feel. Deal with how they feel. I see way too many parents and adults right now who are just like, I can feel anything I want. It's all true. It's all real. I'm like, well, you're a crazy person. 
there's good you and there's insane you. Nobody wants to hang out with this person. Why don't you just be good you all the time, right? Feel what's right. Feel what God wants you to feel. All right. Um, You have to create in your home artificial consequences when your children are young. Artificial consequences. You don't teach them to stay off the street by hitting them with your car a little bit. (laughs) Yikes. No, artificial consequences, artificial consequences, artificial consequences. You, you create a controlled environment and bring the pain. Now, this is what's hard as a parent. If you're a soft parent, if you're a soft-hearted parent, this is difficult for you. you. Get some skill from somebody who is not just, like, emotionally attached to everything. Like, oh, my goodness, my job. You know? Yes, here's, you ready for this? Here's why we discipline. You have two choices, parent. Here's the first point. Here's the first choice. You create artificial artificial consequences. You create pain points and and stress points in an environment where it can be controlled, where no disasters happen, and where the the child is restored in relationship, where you teach them what's right with a little bit of pain. Or you can wait till they get out in the world and become adults and have everything taken from them by the devil and by people who hate them. Pick. You love them. Do you want to do it? Because if you won't, somebody else will. If you won't, somebody else will. If you won't, somebody else will try to be their dad. If you won't, come on, step up to the plate, create a little bit of pain now so that they learn in this environment. We're like, hey, now, do you know why we did this? Yeah, we know why. Okay, okay, it starts making sense. Is this discipline? Is this good? Create artificial consequences. Every, there are consequences for every attitude, good ones and bad ones. Here's the reward. Here's very clear cut. Hey, you got to sit your kids down like, hey, when you're like this, this is what's going to happen. When you're like this, the bad version of you, then this is going to happen every time. Consistency, consistency, consistency. If you're, if you're lucky enough to have two parents, and look, if you're a single mom or single dad, we love you. Come to Venue Church. We'll help you with that. Like, you need help. Like, oh, my goodness. I don't even know how you guys do it. But if you're lucky enough to have two of you, one will generally discipline a little bit better than the other one will. Lean on the people with the gifts, you know, if you can do that. I ended up doing that more because Aaron is just, like, soft-hearted. A little bit inconsistent. She's so good at nurturing, though, so I got to, like, tag her in. You know, like, help me out here. I don't know why they're feeling like this. I feel like they're crazy. Um, that's why we parent. This is how we do it. You ready? How we do it. Now, this is worth everything that you've been through the last week with your children. Everything. And this is, <laughs> this is how we discipline. We empower them. Now, there is some bad discipline, form of discipline that takes power away from children. We give power to children by empowering them. This is the sentence that you need to raise your children with when they're young. Here are your options. This is about your decision. Next. You sit them down when something goes wrong. Okay, the next time this happens, here are your options. Here's a good option. This path leads to life and unicorns and the birds chirping. This path here leads down into the dark. You don't want to go down this way, but if you do, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm deciding up front. Now you sit your child down in the cold, hard math. When they're not upset about something, you sit them down. And, and, and as they grow a little bit older, watch this, watch this. Here are your options. Okay. So if you do this, that's a pretty good reward, right? I don't mean you give them ice cream all the time. Sometimes it's just like, and we all get along and everything's great. And, but like, if you do this and you go to the dark side and you sell your soul to Darth Vader, then this is what we're going to do. Now, your punishment as a child grows will if it's good punishment. Now, now you have to get some help with that because every child is very different. A strong-willed child, man, you got to break that strength in that child or they're going to end up taking from people. You want them to be protecting people and helping people with their strength. You have to break that child without blunting them. Soft children are very different. Their leverage points are way different. You got to find your child's leverage. Some people's leverage, like I had a pastor friend of mine. She's like, I don't know what to do with this child. I've tried everything. 
that seemed to work with the other kids. I mean, how many people know? Every kid is so different. I tried everything, and then the Holy Spirit said, take his hat away. And I'm like, his hat? So he's like, all right, buddy, you're losing your hat. And he lost it. He loved that hat. Well, if you want to see the hat, the hat doesn't want to sit on the head of an angry little boy. Right? Mr. Binky, your stuffed rabbit. Oh, no, Mr. Binky doesn't want to hang out and get tossed around the living room because you're mad. Mr. We're going to take Mr. Binky. I'm going to sleep with Mr. Binky for a couple of nights. You know? <laughs> you think I'm joking? No. Wait, one of our kids pushed mom out of the room one time. This is a good story. One of pushed mom out of the room like, mom, get out of my room. I'm not going to tell you which one. Mom, get out of my room. And I overheard it, and I'm like, oh, teaching moment. This is not your room. This is her room. This is your mother's room. She lets you stay here. That's your mother's bed. Those underpants belong to your mother. She lets you wear them. Everything you have is your mother's. You are here by her good graces. And if she so decides, you can stay here for another night. This is not your sweetheart. This is, oh, now I know how the world works. Powerful. Life lesson. <laughs> Sit them down. Try to get your child to get to this place where, like, does this make sense? Okay, so you agree that this is a good reward and this is a decent punishment. Like, this is fair, right? Eventually, your child will get to the place where they're like, okay, I agree to this. And then when your child gets it wrong, give them exactly what they agreed to. I am so concerned that you keep your word right now, but you got mad and then you did this thing and I want you to keep your word and that's why we're going to do this. This has nothing to do with me. This has to do with you. Empowering parenting and empowering discipline has nothing to do with you, mother or father. It has nothing to do with your mood. Do not train your children and discipline them with your mood. Oh my goodness, no. If you're sad, get, go, to, and go get a praise dance on and get better. But when you discipline your child, do it even keeled, Take anger out. You are not, you do not teach children to respond to anger or what? Or my daughter's going to marry an angry person and do whatever they want. No, absolutely. It has nothing to do with my mood. It has nothing to do with me as a parent. It has to do with you. Remember this conversation. Then this needs to happen. I am so concerned that you keep your word. And then they're like, based on your decision, this is what comes next. Right? And they're like, my decisions are powerful. Yeah. Is that good? This was your decision. This has nothing to do with me. Don't hate the messenger. You know, it's a powerful, it's powerful parenting. I'm telling you, this is how I was raised. And you can be like, I was a strong-willed child, man. My dad was stronger. My mom was more stubborn than I was. I'll tell you what, I never loved and respected my parents more than in those disciplined moments. I can feel it. I remember it. I remember thinking like, my dad loves me enough to stop the crazy. And he's strong enough to do it. He would just sit me down. He'd come up. He put me in the Richard Cope sweat box. Some of y'all need to learn what this is. It feels really bad if you're soft-hearted, but it's like, go up to your room and I'll be up whenever I get there. And you can think about your life choices. And I did. And I went up and I was mad at first. And I'm like, stupid Ryan, call me fat again. Cause that's what Ryan would do. And mom would never be like, no, I'm just kidding. He would call me fat. And then I would punch Ryan. And then it was the end of the world. I would go up and I would think about my life choices because it only had to do with me. And the dad would come up, sit beside me, and be like, well, we had this talk, right? You remember it? Yep. <laughs> so we agreed to this. Yep. <laughs> I care about you. I know. <laughs> right? And then here's what you do. After you discipline your child, whatever that discipline form takes, you have to find their leverage. It, every child is so different. I'm not going to tell you how to specifically do every child. You need the Holy Spirit, but you need help from parents who raise successful children. I'm telling you what, that's probably the most of That's how the Holy Spirit will get it to you. Then you bring them back in afterwards. Don't stand off. Don't talk about it. If they pay the price, they pay the price. Get on with your life. Yeah. Like, hey, good job, bud. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. That's power. 
I'm not going to bring this up. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to make fun of you in public about this thing. I mean, as the kids get older, we kind of like, you know. But this is way after, way, way, way after. Like, no, we got it. That's what strength is. Like, you did it, buddy. You did it. You took your lumps. Good job. I, I respect that. Is that good? Never threaten something you can't do. Never threaten something you won't do. And never threaten something you shouldn't do. Because your kids know. If you do that again, I'm going to break your legs. No, you won't. You go to jail. Don't be an idiot. You're not going to do that. Listen, and, and look, here's what I would say. If you, if you need help in parenting, and if you've been raising your kids in anger, you just need help. Look, we love you, and we accept you, and we'll help you. We are here. We are a church in the mess, and we're not afraid of it. And if you knew some of our stories, you'd be like, okay, okay. There's hope here. There's hope in the house. And we want to remove angry discipline from homes. We want to show you how to raise your children in a way that honors the Lord your God. And we will help you. And God can forgive anything. And God can bless anything. And God can restore anything. That's what we believe. All right. When you're shopping for groceries, groceries are not the most important thing. Raising two-year-old Hitler in that gro grocery store is the most important thing. Remove them from their circumstance so they don't feel that control anymore. And, you know, my kids in the grocery store, they know that they are going to get a lot of sympathy from some old grandma for who forgot what it's like to raise strong-willed children. And they're going to be like, oh, that child's expressing themselves. No, it's Hitler. They're throwing bananas at old people. Oh, you think you're immune here? You think you're immune in church, little sweetheart? We had one of our daughters one time thought that she was off limits in church. I'm like, oh, dad's powers extend here too. To the car we go. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. Raising that child is the most important thing. Leave your grocery card there and come back in 10 minutes. And when your child understands how the world works and knows that mom loves her enough to do something about it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The Richard Cope sweat box. Here's what I would say for any leverage that you leverage over your children. You need to have somebody who's exercising power over your life so that you understand submission and you don't get out of control with power. You do not exercise power over your children unless you are submitted and in a humble place. And that needs to be where you are as a parent. Meaning this is how I discipline my child. Did I do it wrong? Here's what I want to do next. Is this a good idea or not a good idea? Man, be humble enough as a parent to learn something. All right. Come on up worship team. Listen, step four is coaching them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on there. I felt like I needed to spend more time on the discipline part. Coaching them. Now, this is like every attitude in the discipline years has a consequence. Now, this here, coaching, is every action has a consequence. And it's not artificial. It's actually the consequence of what you did. Yeah. Pay for the window. Yeah. If you did this and you yelled at your boss, 16-year-old child, and you get fired, I am not calling them. Right. That's on you. Right. That's your decision. Every action... Here's what I cannot stand when adults do horrible, sinful things and then tell me that they intended not to do them. And we say in our home, good intentions are for seven-year-old children, but everything else, once you get like a little bit older into the teenagers, you answer for every word and every attitude and every action and everything that you do. You answer for it. You're responsible. It's on you now. My daughter, Arwen, is 18. She saved up thousands of dollars of working money. She got zero of it from dad. And she saved up all this money. She bought her own car. And now in the coaching years, it's like, here's what I would do, sweetheart. Here's how I think about it. I feel like this is a good one. I feel like I don't trust this person who's selling this one. I feel like, what do you want to do? It's your money. What do you want to do? If you get to buy a lemon, it's going to be on you too. And dad's, I'm not going to. Andy Stanley says this, don't bail, let them fail. Don't bail them out, let them fail. If you don't, they're going to find out later, 10 years later. You don't want them to. You want them to find out now. All right. The fifth thing you need to do is you need to give your child back to God because that was the point. You're just a steward in the meantime. You are not their father. 
I find it hard now. Like, I feel like I was good in the discipline stages and really good in the teen. I'm a good dad. It's a good father. It's just who I am. Just who I am. You guys know that song? I'm, I'm quoting song lyrics right now, which I think are funny. Let me tell you how I'm struggling right now, though. Arwen is, is 18. She's like an adult. She could go to jail now. But I've... <laughs> But I, you know, I don't mind environments that I can kind of control. I don't mind that. I just find like now I'm just like, I feel a little bit out of control maybe. And I'm having to do this other thing that's really not, I don't know why I'm not doing well with this thing. But you know what I did? I just went out, I just went out and, uh, and I just prayed just last week. I'm like, God, she's like an adult now. And, and, and uh, I'm going to turn her over to you now. Now I'm always going to be her dad and I'm always going to try to protect her and love her, but I'm not going to get between her and consequences and her and you, God, or her and her husband. That's not going to be my role. I'll help in any way that I can, but it's going to be an, as an advisor, you know, and I'm struggling with this and I'm just like, and it's not like she's not a good, she's a great kid. You're a great kid, but you're not really a kid anymore, you know? And I'm like, if you want to, you could blow up your life. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Cry a lot, I guess. But I went out and I prayed. And I'm just like, God, it's time for the A team to step in. And that's you. And I was just here just holding this child, you know, for a while. But, and I kind of got to this place where I'm like, and we made mistakes and, and uh, that I regret. And our marriage went off the rails. And I wish that her is the oldest. She kind of suffered most for that. And, um, and I wish it didn't happen. And. And, uh, but it did, you know, and I'm just like, God, if you can redeem the lives of these crazy people in the Bible, like surely you can help us. I feel, you can, you can take this. Thanks. I, I feel sometimes like, uh, like we fight our battles in the wrong places. There's times when you're face to face with the enemy and there's time you're face to face with your teenager, but that's not how you actually fight your battles. Go ahead and take this from me. Thank you, Scott. This is, this is how I fight my battles now. And this is really what the devil's afraid that I'm going to do now. And I'm afraid that you're going to figure out now too. Are you ready? Yeah. I, uh, I'm fighting over here. I'm fighting flesh and blood and I'm fighting the devil. You know, we do wrestle against principalities and powers. And we do wrestle in the flesh too, you know. But there are times in the middle of the battle that the devil really, really just wants me to engage here, but he doesn't want me just to lay down my weapons and even my shield sometimes. I don't, don't take this in the wrong way. I just need to drop everything and just turn around like this and go. God, I'm in a wrestling match over here and I don't, I'm not winning. <laughs> I don't think you're winning. What do I do? And you know what God says? He's like, why don't, you, why don't you put a worship song on? Why don't you go out for a walk and worship me and say thanks? And why don't you worry about being a good son so that I can, you know, why, why don't you do a little worship two-step? I'm like, I don't feel like doing a worship. He's like, well, just do it. Why don't you sing? Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you, why don't you fight the battle here? Because that's where the battle needs to be fought, not here. Yeah, we get there. This is how we fight our battles is right here face to face with God and just like, God, I need help. I worship. I love you. Would you help? And then God's like, take his hat away. Or God's like, just keep worshiping and I'll actually fix that person's heart over here. Actually, just the battle belongs to me. 
And when we're fighting, sometimes we think that it belongs to us, but it doesn't. And I'm like, God, I give you Arwen right now. This is how I'm going to fight my battles for her.